Mm. Everything that we see, everything that we view, the way we treat our future spouse, the way we treat the people around us, the way we see life itself is always impacted by the family. Mm -hmm. That's the thing we don't want to talk about the most. We can blame everybody else. We can blame every other institution for this is how it was formed because of that. If it happened 300 years ago, so be it. But what about what happened at your home? If you didn't have a father, what does that impact make on you? Welcome back to another episode of PPK. <laughs> What's up, boys? What's going on? Get it. We are ready to get into this one. Man, we've had a, a couple of uh, really good episodes and really good feedback from some of the listeners. So we appreciate you guys supporting us and continue to keep us in prayer and let us know what your thoughts are. Um, this episode is uh, really around a couple of different things. We've been progressing from you know, we had the art of conversation and really our inability, you know, our, as we've been talking about, our, we're in this crazy time where not only were we kind of sheltering in place and have this whole um, issue with the COVID-19 and then uh, then we've got these riots and protests and everybody at each other. It's just it's really a crazy time. And so we've been talking about we can't even sit down and dialogue and, and you know, this this idea around identity politics and that even if we disagree, we can't even talk through that, right? It's in, and people are confusing facts with feelings and so on and so much, you know, so forth. So really, you know, we had our episode last week with our, our first guest, Jamie, um, shout out to Jamie and uh, the fam, Bree, and, and, you know, for faith and fatherhood. And we kind of are rolling right into that same issue about the importance of both faith and fatherhood. And so we wanted to kind of uh, lean into this on a couple of different topics. We're going to start off with a quote um which um and we're <laughs> we've been talking about doing we need to do something on apparitions and the appearance of uh, of uh the blessed virgin mary we, we're not going to do it justice here but this happens to do uh this quote comes from one of the three visionaries of the apparition of our lady of fatima and so the uh, the last uh living sister the last seer if you will of that apparition and this is a 20th century um uh, apparition where our blessed mother appeared and we had the dancing of the sun this was in atheist newspapers and so from a uh, historical perspective this is legit it happened and there's three major secrets that came from it and they've come to prove true but the last quote um this came from sister lucia dos santos uh of the one of the three children now now an adult at that time in her letter uh to uh, a, a cardinal who had he had written a, a letter or he had written a letter to ask for her prayers and it's it's cardinal carlo cafara of bologna and he had wrote to her and or actually to her bishop and when she responded back obviously there's a whole letter but this this is what's going to drive the show she wrote in it the final battle between the lord and the reign of satan will be about marriage and the family she says, don't be afraid because anyone who operates for the sanctity of marriage and the family will always be contended and opposed in every way because this is the decisive issue. And she ends with saying, however, our lady has already crushed its head. Now, there's a lot there. You know, we know we have uh, Catholic listeners out there. We know we have um, some Protestant listeners and some of you who may be agnostic or even atheist. But so we're not going to get into necessarily that. But the key thing is that she's saying the, the, the final battle is between between God and Satan. The reign of Satan is going to be over marriage and the family. And I think there is no greater time in our world today where we see the attack on marriage and the family 
uh, more prevalent, and then the, the consequences of that. When you have a nation in disarray, when you have uh, you know the the lack of respect for the dignity of the human person and the the sacred institution of marriage and and so on, this is what we see, right? We just we don't we don't have any regard for life. We don't have any regard for other or our brother or our sister, and um, we can't even um, disagree or dialogue in a way that's respectful, or reverent to one another. Yeah, I think we should um, go over some some stats. Yeah, let's talk about that. Let's so let's if we you know and I'm. And I'll probably put this in the show notes. Um, if you think about, the, you know, the father crisis in America, and we've I've said this numerous times, um, both on this show and even in other think talks and stuff that I've done, is that I believe we're in a time where we ex- we're experiencing a father wound, both in the church and outside of the church. But this is this is not talking about the faith right now. It's just talking about social science and the data would say that there's about 25 percent of children currently who live in a fatherless home, okay, with the, that are without fathers physically present um that being said those children are are four times likely at a greater risk of poverty they're more likely to have behavioral problems um the mom child house there's twice greater risk of infant mortality they're more likely to go to prison they're more likely to commit a crime they're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teen obviously speaking about the the females out there they're more likely to face abuse and neglect the more um likely to abuse drugs and alcohol they're twice as likely uh, more likely to suffer obesity they're twice as likely to drop out of high school those are just some of the stats now if you look at those stats unveiling un, uh, it a little bit further right 63 percent of youth suicides are from fatherless homes 90 percent of all homeless and runaway children are from um, fatherless homes that's 30 times the average the suicides are five times the average of all children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes, 20 times the average. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes, 14 times the average. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes, 9 times the average. So let's talk about the father factor in education. Everybody's big about education nowadays. Um, Fatherless children, again, twice as likely to drop out of school. Children with fathers who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in high school. Children with fathers who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's in schools. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. 75% of all adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes, 10 times the average. Um, I mean, the list goes on. The list goes on. I think about the, the video that's out there. Um, with Denzel Washington, and he talks about how you know there, there's this discussion. Obviously, as a nation, we're going through this. Is there institutionalized systemic racism? And that question was posed to Denzel. And what does he say? Oh well, the the this is is an issue with father, with the father. Where's the father? Because the system isn't in your house at seven years old, right? By the time that he he says, and I'm I'm I'll paraphrase. He says, by the time the system gets involved, it's too late. Right. So where are the fathers and he talks about is his two best friends who would serve time in jail. And what's the difference between the three of them? He had a, a father that was present. Right. And I think this is what you brought up, Miko, in the last episode is, is this is an issue we don't want to talk about. Right. We're not talking about it. We're not addressing it. Um, I know it's something that's near and dear to my heart because of my own father wounds personally, and what it did, what it did to me and what it almost did to our family. So it's like a real issue. 
So what Sister Lucia has stated is not a surprise to me because you see it happening. And I mean, look at the, the work that, that you, you do in your field. You brought it up in the last one. So this is, again, social science. This isn't any, has nothing to do with my opinion. This has nothing to do with my interpretation. This is statistics, facts. I think that's the other challenge that we're trying to, to address is that somehow when we state facts, people go, well, that's just your opinion, John. What? I just stated a fact. I had nothing to do. I, I wasn't choosing vanilla over chocolate. I just, I just told you, statistically speaking, what does that say? So what say you, Meeks? Yeah, so I think that was super important to include the statistics because like, this is what the Catholic Church is so keen on. It's about the nuclear family. Mm -hmm. And so every decision or every doctrine that we make is always about protecting that. And so it isn't about taking away from these people or taking away from these people or not having these rights or this and that. It's about protecting the family as much as possible because we know how fragile it is and how easy and how that's at the center of civilization. Mm -hmm. You take away that, it's done. And that's what we're witnessing right now. And so it's so easy for us, I guess, majority of, um, I mean, there's, I think it's like 40% divorce rates going down a little bit because people just won't get married anymore because right. it doesn't mean anything. That's right. interesting how that works. Um, and so... It's just, I think we're all suffering from it and it's hard for us to see because who am I gonna talk to if everyone else has the same exact issue yeah. and we can't say, and it's just so hard, right? It's so much harder for um, us as men to say, you know what, I messed up. I'm gonna go ahead and take care of that responsibility because I created that life. And it's a lot easier to say, well, it's this person, it's that person, it's this person, it's over here, it's over there, it's this group of people there. They made me do, they didn't make you do anything, mm -hmm. not one thing. And so, you know, um, it's real easy. You guys can look this up. You can fact check me if you like. If you want to be a middle class uh, family or person in America, you have to graduate high school, not commit a crime, and don't have babies before you're married. That's all you have to do. Those three things, I think it's 97% chance that basically you'll be a middle class family. Mm -hmm. And that's a secret right there. But we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about everything else in the world but those things. And I don't know why. I mean, Satan's really winning this battle. Mm -hmm. it's, it really becomes that simple. And I guess as we'll talk about it, there's so many things to talk about. It's kind of hard, mm -hmm. but um, I guess one of the big issues we're, we're facing right now, obviously is with race and um, all three of us will agree that black lives do matter hundred mm -hmm. percent. We will all agree that there's a lot of injustice that happens. I mean, I was just watching America's Got Talent. A black man was uh, facing, he did 37 years for a crime he didn't commit. He was, a woman was raped and killed. They blamed him. DNA saved him, got him out of prison. That happens. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it happens to a lot of people. I'm not saying it only happens to him. Those things happen and we understand those injustices. And so with things like Black Lives Matter and the specific movement and those leaders, they take something that is all near and dear to us that we can all feel um, as brown people, as white people, as whatever. And then they also are going to take their own twist. As we said before in the Art of Conversation, we all have our own agenda. And these people that started this movement and this isn't characterizing the entire movement. That's a fallacy, we don't do that. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who have good hearts who are in the streets who are trying to fight for um, big injustices like George Floyd and stuff like that, which we don't agree with, I mean, we don't disagree with. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I think these leaders have almost abused their power in a little bit way as they, uh, the specific, I think it's two women. Three. Um, three women who are the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement, that, that blacklivesmatter.com, I'm not saying about the entire people just fighting for injustice. I'm saying that specific uh, group. The organization, the organization itself. itself. Yeah. And they are self-proclaimed um, trained Marxists. Mm -hmm. And as I've said many times, Marx is the one who's 
basically responsible for the identity politics and all this idea. And um, one of their statements they have on their website on the uh, basically about us page is we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and blah, blah, blah. But the important part is we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure, which is fascinating to me because one, if you've read Marx, which you guys probably haven't, um, or you've read all the people he read, if you read Hegel, if you read people before him, Rousseau, all these people who have built up to what Marx is, you understand that that was one of the first things he said. So if they claim that they're um, trained in Marxist, Marx said that the very first form of inequality, the very first form of oppression was in the nuclear family. And he said that has to be abolished because he believed that women and children were slaves to the man, basically. And I don't know what weird family he grew up in, but um, obviously it had an impact on what he had to say. But that part is so important because that reveals that are we sure, what are we sure that this is about? Mm -hmm. Why is it that now um, we're attacking Juniper Cerro statues? How does that happen? And if that's the first thing that Marx said and that they're trained Marxists, then what do you think is going in their head? I think it's going to be a lot more than just George Floyd. It's an entire thing where you have to be dismantling every institution before you because it's inherently corrupt. Yeah. And that starts with the family. That's how you ruin it. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we don't pay enough attention to, unfortunately. And I think we're watching it go by. And that's why the Catholic Church has a certain stance on gay marriage, that's why it has a certain stance on abortion, protecting the nuclear family as much as possible because we know as soon as we lose that, it's over for us. Mm -hmm. And so we just found it interesting that these leaders are trained Marxists and they have this in there and they want to portray it in a way that seems like, oh no, it's just about having more of a community. And at the end of the day, it's not what it's really about. And so this is about abolishing everything that stood before us because they're all inherently evil. And it's about getting what Marx wanted, which is the complete handing over of everything to the people, whoever it is, getting away from them. If the family's already the first form of oppression, then we got to destroy that. We're doing a pretty good job of that, I'd say. And then it's going to be whoever's in the way after that. So yeah, if it's I mean, the church. Yeah, and I think that's the part where you'll see when it leads to from Marxism to socialism to communism, right? Is that ultimately the God or the God that you're rooting out from a spiritual perspective is now you just supplant it with government, right? That that's where we're rooting God out of our country. And that's what you see is, so, I mean, people do they even understand one of the greatest evangelists, Huna Percero, when it comes to California and, and what he did for the natives actually stood up for the abuse that they were taking, but people don't have any idea about that. Right. And so that's the other part of it too, is talking to the, the listeners out there and even fellow Catholics out there that are just, in, you know, uh, speaking in a very misinformed and, and quite honestly ignorant way because you're, you're speaking from a place of emotion, not from a place of objective thinking or reasoning or truth for that matter. So we're just kind of skating along the superficiality of, again, a common thing we can all agree on and not looking at what's at the root. So guess what we're doing? We're treating symptoms. We're not curing diseases, right? So we're, we're, we're creating a problem that may not even exist when we talk about it globally or institutionally or systemically. So then what do we, I mean, I'm a person, you know, just kind of, and I'm going to throw it over to County, but I think about it like statistically speaking, I wasn't supposed to be where I am today. And so if people told me that I wasn't going to amount to Jack and people told me I wasn't going to amount to it, 
because of, of my upbringing, because I, I come from abuse, because I was on my own since I was 17, that I should be dead, homeless, or in jail. And I'm none of those. And if you were just to tell me, like, John, you got no hope because of everything that you've, you didn't get to choose your life, you didn't get to choose your family, you didn't get to choose your upbringing, you didn't get to choose those circumstances, no chance. What would have happened if I believed that? And so it's just question, we talked about this, start to question things and think for yourself and then fight the temptation and the urge to where once, once all of a sudden we start to think for ourselves freely, that all of a sudden you think people are brainwashed. You know, that it's like, well, thinking for myself is actually a good thing. That's why God gave me a brain, right? So that I can actually think objectively, use my reason. You know, you can judge a tree by its fruits. So if, if, if a certain movement or thing says that we're peaceful and this and that, but yet you see destruction of communities, you see lives being more lives lost than the life that you claim to be fighting for, it, it, you're, damped, you're hurting your own people. You're hurting. I mean, I'm going to start to question the dichotomy there. There's an incongruency with regards to what you're saying and what you're doing. And I think that's what people need to wake up to. And this, the same thing with the family is the family is the fundamental cell of society. Cities and villages come from a healthy family structure. And then that's how everything else flows from it. If you understand anything about how, you know, uh, the institutions and everything else work um, from a philosophical perspective, you would know that. But, you know, we're just we're we're trying to bring some light and shine some light and bring some just dialogue and objective thought rather than just speaking from only emotion you can be passionate about something but be educated and informed right about it versus just speaking from emotion like you know everyone's again it's just catering to the heart of of people well i know Kony can talk speak to more of this but i just want to bring up real quick of how i don't know how much we dismiss how much our family structure impacts the rest of our lives mm. everything that we see everything that we view the way we treat our future spouse, the way we treat the people around us, the way we see life itself is always impacted by the family. Mm -hmm. and that's the thing we don't want to talk about the most. We can blame everybody else. We can blame every other institution for this is how it's formed because of that. If it happened 300 years True. ago, so be it. But what about what happened at your home? If you didn't have a father, what does that impact make on you? Mm -hmm. And Kelly deals with these kids every day. Mom does, Bria does, they all do. Mm -hmm. And so that's the one thing no one wants to talk about because mm -hmm. they're all dealing with it themselves right. and they can't see it. And because we, we normalize it. Oh, it doesn't matter. Divorce? Who cares? Mm -hmm. Out of wedlock? What does it matter? My parents did it. His parents? Well, who cares? They're still good people. Mm -hmm. Not the point. And so it's like, when are we going to wake up to that idea? That's why the church talks about nuclear family. Because mm -hmm. that, that can disrupt your entire life at the age of five if you see trauma or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Keone? I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I was just, the thing that stood out to me, Dad, when you were talking about you can judge a tree by its fruits. And the problem that I have, you know, when you talk about like the Black Lives Matter movement um, is looking, like you said, looking at the effect of it. So what is what is Marxism? The basic premise is that anyone who has more than me, they got it because they took it from me. And that's the basic Marxist premise. And so it basically justifies vengeance. It justifies envy and it disguises it as virtue as taking <laughs> what is rightfully ours. Mm -hmm. And so the problem that I have with a lot of our church leaders, a lot of Catholics who are catering to this movement, is that at the end of the day, they don't care if you are with us or not. At the end of the day, you have power too. You have something that I want. You have the biggest organization on planet Earth, the Catholic Church. I want you too. This is why they're going after uh, Huna Barrocero. This is why they're coming after Jesus. 
now. Yeah, Mary. Yeah, and after the uh, Black Madonna, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't end there. So when you cater to it, it makes you look stupid. Mm-hmm. Because they could care less about you because you're now, now that they got rid of these people and you helped me, thanks, but now you're next in line. Mm-hmm. And this is what the problem with, you got to look at the fruits, you got to look at what, what they're, like Meeks was saying, who did they follow? And following Karl Marx and dismantling the nuclear family has horrible effects. And like Meeks was saying, like the, if there was a intact nuclear family, I have no doubt that the majority of my clients that I see for severe mental health issues would not be in my office. Because not only do you just dismantle the domestic church, which is the home, you dismantle their idea of God, you completely eradicate any true virtue, not virtue signaling, not whatever I think is virtuous, true virtue that only comes from God, because mm-hmm. he's the fullness of virtue, he is all things that is pure and good. And so, when you take that out of the family, now there's no domestic church. And I told us in the last episode that this is, this is beyond political. This isn't a political game. This is spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. And the devil's, the devil's goal, let alone Black Lives Matter, whoever organiz, whatever organization, Margaret Sanger, Planned Parenthood, it doesn't matter. This is the devil's work because he wants to dismantle the nuclear family because that is the root of society. That is the, the, the priest in the home who has the power to cast out the demons and protect the children mm-hmm. and the wife, right? Um, to, to serve and protect, essentially. So it, it goes beyond this idea of just politics, but I think a lot of people want to cater to. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, even the Catholic Church, when I see these, these Catholic influencers cater to the politics, and it's like, no, this is spiritual warfare, and you're giving into it. Because, mm-hmm. and like I said, look at the effects of it. So that's, that's just a problem I have. And, and just thinking about the disruption of the family, the mental health, the trauma, the lack of morality. I was watching a video on the importance of marriage for men. Statistically speaking, married men make more money. They spend uh, more, more time in a church or a community organization rather than spending time in bars. They grow up. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's the reason why marriage is so good for men because they're so, men are just so selfish. Women have a little different. Obviously, we're all selfish as human beings, but women obviously appreciate relationships more often than men do. Mm-hmm. Not saying this is always the case, but generally speaking. And men are often after their own self-interest. They're often materialistic. They like the money. They like the fame. And what happens when you have a wife and a kid now? No one cares about your aspirations. You have to care about your wife and your kid. It, it's, you start to become a gift. Mm-hmm. You start to become a, a servant which is what a true nuclear family is. The head of the household is the biggest servant, right? It says like you, in Ephesians 5, you need to love like Christ loved his church and he died for his church. So the disruption of the nuclear family, people want to say that it's all loving, it's all caring, it's about uh, tolerance and inclusivity. No, no, no. This is the devil's work. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's, it's that simple. It's, it's really, there's no beating around the bush there. It's the devil's work. Mm-hmm from a, a spiritual warfare perspective, from a mental health perspective, from an economic perspective. And it's about time people actually stand up as a Catholic church mm-hmm. and say, no, 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 this is wrong. And this is why the church has defended the nuclear family for 2000 years and that we need to continue to defend it mm-hmm. and use our platform to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been uh, super disheartening uh, to your point to see a lot of Catholic influencers with huge platforms, including the hierarchy, right? That have... Um, selectively chosen to speak up and when not to speak up, 
So very much speaking up um, when it comes to what seems politically and socially acceptable, but and then easy. and easy, real easy to do. Right. It's, especially I'm calling out a lot of Catholic influencers too. like it's real easy to to sound like the world and be like, yay, yay for you. Right. Nice. You're solid. But it's another thing to say, hold on, time out. I read off this person's website that they're actually against everything that I would believe as a, as a Catholic, right? And, but nobody wants to talk about that. And then, and then when the barbarians turn on themselves, you know, just like Rome fell, right? When, they, when the, the barbarians from within, when they start to turn on us, where's everybody at? Where are you at now, Catholic influencers? Where are you at now? I mean, look at the thing with Bishop Barron, right? Oh, it's up to the lady now. So now it's up to the lady. Um, I thought you owned that church property, right? Um, I, we don't own that church property. You know, so we've been walking around what? We've been without fathers <laughs> in the church because um, we've been asking to be fed. Now imagine that. Imagine that. That if you boys, your sister came to me, your mom said, Daddy, I'm hungry. Can't do it. You got to go figure it out for yourself. What kind of father would do that? Right? And I think we're, we're experiencing that internally. So like, yeah, I'm challenging a lot of the Catholics out there. It's like, you know what? You have a huge opportunity to either lead somebody towards Christ or away from Christ. And if you sound like the world, pretty sure you're not leading them towards Christ. And if I could add to that real quick, because, you know, when we talked about the real presence in the Eucharist, mm -hmm. who's, whose talk did I take from? I took from Bishop Barron, mm -hmm. and it was on a Bread of Life discourse. And I said, word for word, what Bishop Barron said, and said, when Je every time Jesus had a chance to soften his language, what did he do? He intensified it. And every time that we've seen Bishop Barron get a chance to soften his language, Oh, he makes it real nice and cozy. Oh, he's softened. He makes it a tempestic bed. <laughs> make sure everyone can lay on it. Mm -hmm. He's not intensifying it one bit. And and what Jesus did when he intensified it, he looked at the people that were with him. You guys, you guys bouncing too, or mm -hmm. what's going on? Mm -hmm. And so that's just, you know, we can't talk too much smack. Yeah. But it's just it's unfortunate, and this is definitely a call out to our clergy. And trust me, all clergy are in my prayers. I'm hoping that you guys get the courage to do so and, and the strength and you know, there's going to be a lot of flack and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's great, you know, point Mika, because I, you know, I had my, thankfully we're back at, you know, being able to exercise some level of worship at the parish. So I had my three o'clock in the morning, holy hour this morning, right? Three, 3 a.m. It's known as the devil's hour because it's 12 hours from three o'clock when the Lord died on the cross on good Friday. So three o'clock in the morning, I show up there before three, for my holy hour, and there's four of the men there praying. So that's what it's going to take when you think about four of the men, right, which is unlikely to see in that sense, but that's what it's going to take. So, you know, as we're also calling out people, we also want to challenge and encourage people like, yeah, you know, we need to start taking in the in this domestic church. We're going to sharpen the, the swords and the irons. We're gearing up for that spiritual warfare that Kenny's talking about because it's on. It's on, but what are you going to do about it? Are you going to just, again, are we going to just go, are we going to cater? Are we just going to, you know, go along to get along? And that's what it seems like. Yeah. You know? And if I could just, my, I think my last point, if I could show off my political philosophy skills yeah. <laughs> real quick. Um, like I said before, this dismantling the, the point that we got to Marx, to Nietzsche, to these people took, I mean, hundreds of years. I mean, every, every person that you've, that you've read, I've read someone else and they've read someone else and the people have been saying the same things for thousands of years. Plato was dealing with the sophist who said, dude, nothing's true. There's not, we're just all out here waving around. There's no real thing out there. People have been saying it forever. 
I mean, what you anything you've heard is not new. It's not it's not original. It's all bought from someone else. Marx read Hegel and Hegel read all these other things. They all read somebody. And so the point that we got today, this is why I do not really care for people who claim as libertarians. To me, it's a big cop out. And it starts with this whole locking perspective. And Locke, who we say is uh, one of the people who influenced our constitution, it's nonsense. I don't think he did at all. Um, but his idea was the preservation of property. And so he took God out and these people like Locke and Hobbes and Rousseau, who we've all read about in our history textbooks who did the social contract. We all have to memorize that and make sure we know the definition for our tests. It's this hypothetical Adam and Eve. It's the, it's the nature, but it's hypothetical. Don't worry. I'm not offending you, God. It's only hypothetical. And then they just put their little ideas out there and it continues to infiltrate and infiltrate and get worse and worse. till we hit Marx and Nietzsche and Locke, like I said, his idea was preservation of property. So it's not about the government, just back off. Make sure I got what, my, what I need to get. And that is exactly how Marx was able to come through. Because what you create, you take out God, you say, ah, government, that doesn't, I mean, just get out of my life. That's all that matters. Make sure I got what I need to get and we're good from there. Civilization doesn't matter about the virtue. I think our founding fathers might have been um, Washington or Madison, one of these guys. Maybe it came from Cicero or something like that. They said that the Republic is dependent on the virtue of its citizens. That's the only way it works. That's why we don't have a majority. That's why it's not a democracy. Everyone who says a democracy, like read a book every now and then. We're not a democracy. We're a Republic. And that's why we don't have, that's why Hillary didn't win when we had the 51%, because we know that people can be easily swayed and we don't want the mass of the crowds and the mobs coming over and changing everything every five years because it's democracy. That's not true. Republic is dependent on the virtue of its citizens and us electing people who are virtuous. That's the whole point of it. Mm. And that's the foundation. And so we took that out. Locke said, mm, no, nah, we don't need that. Just give me my rights. And then Marx sees that. So now you have these people because back then in a certain time, I'm sure Locke was in uh, England or whatever, where probably only white rich men own land. And then the rest of them, they weren't really having wage laws back then. So they were just working for whatever I was going to give you. And you're going to have to survive off that. And Marx sees that. And he says, well, all I see is the few and these and the many over here all struggling. And I, there's no God, there's no morality, it doesn't matter. All I see is material. And what does Marx say? Your own, your, all of our identifications is only on material conditions. That's all that matters. It's the money we make, it's the shelter we're in, it's the place surrounding us. It has nothing to do with your inherent dignity. It has nothing to do with you being in God's image. All that matters is material conditions. Mm -hmm. And so what does that leave us to? Well, all I know is that we have a bunch of bored people and we have a few rich guys. I think we outnumber them. And I think that they've been oppressing us this entire time. So why don't we stand up and take over them? And that's exact. So this idea from Locke and this libertarian thing that, no, no, we just got to worry about rights. Like Bishop Brand said, we don't have to continue to press the gay, gay marriage issue. It wouldn't do anything. Let's just make sure we separate churches, that we, we, we keep these away from each other, and we're just civil with one another. That, unfortunately, is what got us here today. Because mm -hmm. God's not in our... Nietzsche said God's dead. And that was in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. And he was in Germany. And, and he said, we killed him. And so that idea that we continue to throw out, ah, oh, I'm not into politics. Ah, this, this careless, I, this whole ideology of just carelessness and ah, it doesn't really matter, man. Just like make sure we got our rights and we're good to go. Just Second Amendment, we're good to go. That's not, how it, that's not how it was intended to be. A republic's not supposed to be that way. And we're the ones that drove Marx into the forefront because we took out God. So all that happens is materiality. That's it. Mm -hmm. All that matters is that I have more than you and you don't. And you see me as the enemy because of that. You don't see my dignity. You don't see the family. You don't see anything else except I have more money than you do. Therefore, there's something wrong with me. Mm -hmm. That's it.
So yeah, just kind of piggybacking off what you said, the the republic depends on the virtue of the citizen, right? And what better way to ruin the virtue of the citizen than dismantle the family? You read the statistics in the beginning. Those all don't sound like virtue. Yeah. Crime, you know, uh, if it's mental illness or substance abuse, substance abuse, suicide. or if it's suicide, if it's dropping out of school, if it's engaging in criminal activity, any of that is just like the opposite of virtue. Mm-hmm. And the lack of virtue from a, a household can lead to the other uh, negative impacts, poverty, everything else, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so the problem that I have with, you know, these Catholic influencers and, and our clergy um, is how are we, why can we be, or how can we be surprised that, I don't know how to really put it, but we're meant to be in the minority mm-hmm. because we just read it a few days ago in the gospel mm-hmm. is the road to heaven is very narrow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's clear. Like it's not easy to get to heaven. It's, you can just read all throughout scripture. It is not easy to get to heaven. Yeah, And that's coming from Jesus, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not easy to get to heaven. So how can these influencers, why are these clergy surprised that they're going to get pressed for their values? And it's unfortunate that they cater to the majority yeah. or they take the soft route. They cower. They, take, they cower to the collective. When at the end of the day, you're not supposed to look like the world. And, and that's just, you know, we know that this is the devil's playground. Yeah. And, and the fact that we're looking like the world in a time where there's the laity, there's the faithful that are looking for those shepherds to guide them. And they're catering to what they see on the news, what they see on Twitter, what they see everywhere else. We're not supposed to look like everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So when people are down our necks hating us, good. Jesus said it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. They put him on a cross for what he believed. Mm-hmm. You know, and so to avoid the backlash, to avoid the quote unquote crucifixion from society, from other institutions, from organizations, from the media is unfortunate because what a what an actual gift that would be to souls who are seeking truth, who are seeking a true leader, who are seeking um, God in a world that is, I mean, anti-God. Like you said, God is dead mm-hmm. in our society for sure. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, it's such, throughout the, since COVID happened, we've had so many opportunities to use our faith, use our church, individually and as a as a universal church to spread the message spread the good news to be different to be counterculture mm-hmm. to give actual truth and i think collectively we haven't done a good job mm-hmm. and it's we're seeing the fruits of it mm-hmm. and so it's really time i think just calling out everyone as catholics like it doesn't matter if you're losing followers it doesn't matter if you're losing friends because just like jesus said do you want to leave too because at the end of the day when you face God, he's not going to ask you, well, how many friends did you have? How many followers did you make? No, no, no. Were you speaking truth? Were you doing my will? Mm-hmm. And so just using the using your platform, continue to pray for clergy, continue to pray for all the faithful, pray for peace, pray for justice, but doing so the right way, the way God wants us to do it, not seeking justice in our own hands without individual justice, like I always say. Yeah, it's... Um Interesting because we're hearing from Matthew 7, right? We're going through this and we hear, especially in Matthew 7, 21, everyone likes to lead with Matthew 7, 1. Who am I to judge, right? Don't judge because in the measure that you do judge, you'll be judged. And, you know, the, you know, take out the wooden beam in your eye before you pull out the splinter, yada, 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 right? That's sick of scripture. I get it. But then Jesus says in seven twenty one, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
and Lord, what do you mean? And, he's, and right, that the words that you never want to hear, depart from me, you evildoer, I do not know you. What do you mean? I was feeding the poor. I was doing this. I was doing that. No. You know, you look like the world. And I think that's what we're saying for everybody out there really is, you know, I kind of expect it from the culture. If you root out God, I expect that the, the majority of the world to be in chaos because you took God out. You're replacing him, whether it be government, your ideology, this cult, like whatever movements you're a part of, um, you're replacing it with yourself because now you get to dictate moral superiority to people. Um, it, you get to do a bunch of different things. Right. Um, but I, I just think within the church though, <laughs> has been kind of the really biggest disappointment where um, you just see us struggling without fathers, struggling without the faithful that are actually willing to fight and die, right? Get over this white martyrdom. We'll have to do something on martyrdom later. Like this is time for red martyrdom, for real. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, like the Chris Theros, uh, who, who, you know, the communist Mexican government Kaya's law goes and essentially comes and kills the Catholic church, stringing priests and Catholic faithful along the highways, hanging them, right? Where you have straight persecution of the church. Don't act like that's so far away. They're already knocking at the door by destroying statues, come now coming after our blessed mother and Jesus himself. So, you know, this is uh, maybe not necessarily your most feel good, uh, you know, episode, but it's one that Really, we're just trying to get people to, to think as usual and objectively thinking and say, like, let's look at things for what they are. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's not be so superficial and shallow and so quit pandering to what the popularity of the world is telling you. Have some courage. There's nothing becoming or, uh, I don't know, um, enticing or, or attractive about people who cower. You know, instead of standing for truth, you know, it's interesting because you get a lot of people that, you know, as we tend to speak out and and speak with some boldness and clarity, little private messages, right? Thanks. Appreciate it. Keep speaking the truth because they feel like, man, it's a silent majority, right? That the louder ones that are screaming out there are getting the the airtime, the playtime and seeming like they're winning. But just like Sister Lucia said, but don't worry because our ladies already crushed his head. So, Meeks? Yeah, and uh, thank you guys for 300 Instagram followers. And uh, make sure to like it up and like, comment, and subscribe on, on this channel as well. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, we appreciate you listening to us, taking the time to just kind of hear our perspective. Um, but we do hope that you take it very seriously and that you just start to take a look at um, what's going on uh, fundamentally and principally. So, you know, keep praying. Keep praying. Keep fasting for our world, for our country, for our priests, for our church, and for peace. And until then, get holy or die trying.